0: Today, what I wanted to do is to give you kind of a 30,000 uh, foot view of the revelation of the blood of Christ from the very beginning to the very end. And that it is way bigger, has more impact than I ever dreamed. And uh, that's someone that has grown up as a pastor's kid and sang every song on the blood and the blood, the blood, the blood, heard every message on the blood, the blood. And still, you know, all these years later, uh, Looking at the Word of God, and you're going, how did you not see that before, and see the revelation of the blood of Christ, and so, uh, so, let me pray. Lord, just help me take what you put in my heart to articulate it, not to make it complicated, but just to present it in a way that they would see the revelation, the unfolding revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ, and how important and what it means into our lives, into our present, into our past, and into our future. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I wanted to kind of start today with the end in mind. So, the end in the Bible is the book of Revelation. It gives us a picture of the future, of what is coming, what what is going to happen in the future. And I love these verses in Revelation chapter 5. This is talking about the people of God. I believe this is literal, that this is going to actually happen and that there is some foreshadowing of that that can happen now, even in our worship to the Lord, that we are reflecting that which is yet to come. But there is going to be also the day, the time, the season in the future when this is literally going to happen. And, and so, let, let me not get ahead of myself. And they sang a new song, and they were saying, you are worthy. And this is talking about Jesus Christ. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. This is the reason. Because you were slain. The word "slain" there—I know, um, you know—it's a little graphic, but it, it's literally the word that means to slaughter or to butcher. It's actually the, the the definition of that. And so, and then it goes on and says, and and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, every language, and people from every nation. You made them to be a kingdom... And priests to serve God, and they will reign on the earth, talking about us. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000, that encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice, and they were saying, worthy is the lamb. Why don't we say it? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amen? Amen. So this is where we're leading. This is where we're going. And the whole reason that we are going to be able to be on that day, I mean, it's not going to be like, oh, yes. I mean, it's going to be party because it's something worth partying about, right? It's going to be a day of worship and celebration because we're going to have even a greater revelation and perspective of what it all means in that moment, in that day. And that worthy is is he, He's worthy because the whole, this whole chapter, it kind of leads up. It goes, we were looking for somebody, and this is in hillbilly language. We were looking for somebody to open a book, but there was nobody worthy to open a book. We looked and looked, but then there, like, there, there, there was this freaking out because no one could open the book. But then all of a sudden, Jesus steps in. And he goes, and then there, there's this sense in, in, the, in that chapter where he goes, he's worthy. Oh, there is someone worthy to open the book. And the reason that he's worthy is that he was slain, and he purchased the people of God from every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, from every nation. He purchased them through his blood. And see, this has always been the picture of God. God, God's long-term plan is not to build a church, but to build a family. That's all. I I believe the institution of the church, it exists now upon the earth, the ecclesia, which, you know, whatever, That it exists now because it has the purpose of God, but the ultimate, you know, future is that God is creating a family, and it's going to be by his blood. And so the revelation of his blood, and I was thinking about that later in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, verse 8, it, it It's got this crazy verse in there because it's talking literally about uh, many people in the world that are worshiping the Antichrist, and they're going after the false prophet, and they're going after the Antichrist system. But but and then he goes, he says, but the reason why is because their name is not found in the book. And their name's not in the book, and, and this is what's so key at the end of that verse. It says, for written in the book of life that was slain from the foundation of the world that there is a book of life that actually was created already, it already exists, that in that book there's names, and in those, those names are people that have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Well, how does God already have the book? Because in his foreknowledge, he knows all things from the beginning to the end. He already knows, but it still does not negate that it's still a choice for all of us in time. We live in time, we have the opportunity to choose to receive the blood of Christ, and when we receive the blood of Christ, our name is in the book. He's just kind of talking about that it was he already foreknew. Romans chapter 8, in the foreknowledge of God, he predestined, you know? So let's not go there too much. We'll go in the rabbit trail. But anyway, so, but in the revelation of this, it says that he was slain. The word slain, it's the same word. He was slaughtered, he was poured out, he was butchered. It was already an established thing before there was even creation. Man was not even created yet, but he had already had the plan set in place that he was going to die and he was going to be slain. Now the reality is that sometimes when we think about angels and the devil and, and fallen angels and everything, that we have such a limited understanding uh, that we, we don't, when you look here, there's living creatures, there's all kinds of stuff going on. It, you know, makes Star Trek look like, you know, feeble. So, I mean, it's crazy stuff going on. And so, there was there was things that were going on before even the creation of man. That we talk about angels, they were created beings. But what you have to understand, this is what's so unusual because the Bible says that angels look into our lives into the redemption plan and they look with amazement because they can't understand it why because there was not one established for them there was no redemption when they fell aren't you glad that you're not part of that third of the angels that fell because there was no redemption now, the only other kind of scenario, which I know I'm opening a can of worms, but I'd have to say it in my own conscience, is there is some things when it talks about the Nephilim or the Raphaim, where it talks about they're not the ability for them to be redeemed. But you're not them. You're mankind. You're 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 born in the image of God. And so then you have the ability to make a decision to accept the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's not by works, least any man should boast, but it's by you putting your faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross that brings you unto salvation. I know a lot of people, they say, well, we don't even talk about the blood anymore in the church, or we don't talk about the cross, it's too gory. or too..." See, it's not about what your feelings are. A lot of times we have molded God and Jesus to be what we want, and then we take that opinion, and then we go to Scripture. We can't do that. We have to let the Scripture reveal to us the plan. And and let me say, it is a bloody one it was because before the foundation of the earth god knew that just like the angels that there was going to be rebellion there was going to be the fall there was going to be the rejection But God had a greater purpose to bring an intimacy with a people that would have the choice of whether to love him or to serve him. And there was going to be the ability for them to be able to come back, if you would. Let me use that term, but in some ways it's not even coming back because you were born in death and you were born in sin. But that you could come to Christ and that you could be a part of that family. And you would also have the revelation, man, he was worthy. He is so worthy to be worshiped. He's so worthy to be our master, our Lord, our savior. Why? Because he took the plan of redemption to bring us into the, to the family and he paid for it in his own blood that through him that we might have life and to have abundance and have eternity. So let me just give you an, a kind of a 30,000 Uh, foot view of the revelation of the blood of Christ, and then pastor is going to come next week and start talking to us about the specific ways to apply the blood of Jesus. But let's just talk about the unfolding revelation of the blood of Christ. Number one is this, is that God drew first blood. You drew first blood! Some of you don't know what that means. I'm going like, what? It's it's a Rambo. Rambo. So, uh... (laughs) It's really bad. I notice the older I get and my make a joke like that, and anybody under forty goes, What? What? You know. They're <laughs> going like, oh, old. But so God is the first one that drew blood. After the fall of Adam and Eve, and they were going to be kicked out of the garden. It it talks about in Genesis chapter three, verse twenty one, that God killed two animals. There are a lot of little details of things that we don't have time for. But God kills two and he slays them. They actually, if you look at the scripture, they actually see it. I don't know what it looked like. Exactly. I don't know if it's just lightning bolt, it, you know, or if it was an arrow, you know. However God did it, he, he, sl- yeah, he slays two animals, and then God is the first skinner. I, I've skinned about, I don't know how many. Animals. I've skinned a lot of animals. I can do it with my, I can do it blindfolded. You know? God's, but God was the first skinner. And then what does he do? He takes those skins and he covers their nakedness. Now, what you have to understand is God is beginning to unfold revelation. From the very fall of man, he's trying to unfold revelation. They don't completely understand that. They don't know that. But there is somewhat of a revelation that happens. Now, I was thinking about that, and so their, their nakedness is covered. Part of that is just in a, a typology, to picture that there was a shedding of blood, and it covered their nakedness, covered them. And so this is a picture that's going forward, okay? So in that small revelation that God gave, in the, the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel. And these two sons are coming to a place of celebration. I don't know how all this unfolded, but I I think it's a lot more, uh, there was a lot more to it than what we realize. But there's a place of revelation, they were coming to worship the Lord. Even the Lord asked them to come to worship them. And when they came to worship him, Cain brings all these vegetables from the garden. I love when people bring vegetables from the garden to me. But it had nothing to do with the vegetables from the garden being bad. It was that Cain did not have a revelation from God. But Abel had revelation because it says he went and got the firstborn among the flock, a lamb, and he brought it before the Lord. I mean, this modern Christianity, they don't even like thinking about things like slaughter a lamb. That's you know, you know, This is the picture. Why? Unfolding revelation. There was So the lamb was slain. And then we see that there's... Such a dramatic event here that I I still feel like 20, 30 years from now, I'm still going to be catching more revelation on this. Is that the lamb was slain, and then God says, Cain, he doesn't say I reject you, I reject your sacrifice. It doesn't mean that he had turned crazy here, but he did. He says, I reject your sacrifice. Why? Because he did not... He was not acting and doing it out of revelation. Abel, I thought about this and thought about this yesterday. I truly believe that he heard the story from his dad about what God did. And it gave him the picture of the revelation. This is what God wants. This is what God desires. It's the unfolding revelation of that. So Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Cain then gets mad and slays his brother. Kills him. And then God shows up to Cain. This is the first murder, if you would. There was no need for Agatha Christie. We knew who did it. And God says to Cain, the blood of your brother cries out from the ground. Why? Because his brother killed him. His brother killed, Cain killed Abel. And Abel was completely innocent and was walking in obedience before God. And then we know Cain was marked; he was sent out and rejected. And there's all kinds of things we could go into that. But I just wanted to show you this unfolding revelation. So, the, number three of this of the revelation is the first shedding of blood of the blood of man was Abel. That is why it's so important and it's mentioned several times more in the scripture. Number four. Is then now we're leading all of this up to God begins to build a family. The people of Israel. God's own people. God's special people. This is all unfolding. And so Israel now is being formed. There's Abraham has covenant. Isaac. Jacob. They go to, uh, Joseph goes to Egypt. They go to Egypt. They're in Goshen. But God has a promised land he's taking them to. So they can go out and worship and become the people of God. But before that happens, there has to be this release from Pharaoh, and we go through nine different plagues. If you would look at them, there's a lot of correlation between those and things that we see in the book of Revelation, but then we come to the 10th plague, and the 10th plague was literally that there was going to be a death angel that was going to pass over the land, and yes, it even passed over Goshen, not not just Egypt, but it passed over Goshen where the people of Israel were living. But then God gives a plan. God gives this revelation. Yes, it was about that night. It was about being able to have your firstborn not die because the angel passed over you. But in greater sense, it was revelation on that day was leading to something greater in the future. And so when the death angel went over, the places where the blood of Jesus in a picture, it was the blood of lambs, right? So the blood of lambs was put on the doorpost that wherever the angel seen the blood, he passed over. That's where we got Passover. And that the you know, the Jewish people, they celebrate every year Passover. And that led us up to number five, is that this revelation that life is found in the blood. I was thinking about this yesterday. Do you know that they can take your blood and... Not to complete detail, but they can tell you what you're prone to, what, you know, they can test your cholesterol, 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 yeah. They can test everything about you. They even can tell you what they're, how long they think you'll live from your blood. And in this picture that the Lord gives among the children of Israel, he says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. So the blood brings atonement and specifically innocent blood. All of this was leading up to the revelation in, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. Jesus comes on the scene. There has been a foundation of the Old Covenant from the very beginning, from the time of the fall of man. The revelation is growing, 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 coming to the time of Jesus, And the new covenant now is stepping in. It had to happen. It had to happen on Passover. It had to happen on Passover. So Jesus then comes to become the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That is how his ministry was introduced. John the Baptist is standing in the Jordan. He's baptizing people. Jesus is walking along the bank. He's not thinking this. He's not studying this. He's not. He just is speaking by the Holy Spirit. He begins to blurt out, he says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so their revelation of establishing of who Jesus was. So it was during the time of Passover that Jesus died and poured out his blood upon the cross. The next thing, number seven, is now we are living with the blood of Jesus applied in our life by faith. It is a new and better covenant the bible let me just give you some places uh, it says the church of god which he has purchased with his own blood hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 without the shedding of blood there's no no forgiveness of sin hebrews 13:20 through the blood of the everlasting covenant it's been sealed in his blood that's how that's how important it is so now we are, we are walking in the power of the blood of christ it is applied over our lives our name is in the book because our faith is put in nothing but the blood. The next thing, number eight, and there's ten of these. So Jesus then becomes our high priest. What did the high priest do? The high priest went into the Holy of Holies every year, once a year, and applied blood on the Ark of the Covenant. He applied blood in the, in the Holy of Holies for the remission of sin. And so what we find is that in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, I'm not going to take time, I encourage you to go back and read this, it, sh- it says that there is a, pro- that that which is on earth, what we see in the temple and the tabernacle, is actually only a prototype of that which is already in heaven. I thought about this all week, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to prove it yet, but I'm, I, I'm almost to the point to think that that was there even before man was created. That the plan, when the plan was put in place, that the, the, the place in heaven was already established. Because it says that there's a sanctuary in heaven. And I, I know a lot of people like, what am I supposed to say? It says it's exactly a prototype of what we have here on earth. And what the, what the, you know, the high priest in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant did is they went in once a year to make atonement, make sacrifice. Why? Because they were establishing a revelation of the Old Covenant. But then when the new covenant came, then Jesus Christ came. And, and it says now, not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He not only was the high priest, he was the sacrifice. So he came in. Now, I, I you know, this is way too much to go into. But there there is, what I would say is probably most likely is that when Jesus raised from the dead, that he still had to go to the, that place to the holy of holies in heaven. And that was the reason why that Mary was not allowed to touch him. If you remember that in the garden, don't touch me, I have not yet ascended to my father. So I know a lot of people have problems with this because they say, well Jesus didn't ascend till forty years or forty years. Forty days later. But the, the reality is, I think he actually ascended on that day and then came back. But then on the 40 day when he ascended, where everybody seen him, that they that he did that. To, as a finality, so that people would know and people would see. But what did he do when he went to heaven? The reason that he went to heaven, what he did was to take his blood and put it upon the, upon in the Holy of Holies, in the, in the sanctuary. So the work was done. It was accomplished. When he came back, he says, all right, we're ready to establish the kingdom. The kingdom that I've established in my own blood. And that, and that's why the, the, the authority of the blood of Christ is carried with us every single day. So th- that's why that you see this picture that the apostle Paul has a revelation or whoever wrote Hebrews. But he has this revelation in Hebrews chapter 12 and, and, and he talks about that there's a difference between the blood of Abel and the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Abel is... St- and a lot of people say, "Yeah, it quit speaking after when Jesus blood." No, it didn't. It's all the way even in the Book of Revelation. You see the blood of Abel still speaking. But what happens is that there is now an old covenant. Where in that old covenant, there is the establishment of the of the old of of the. There's the establishment, if you would, that it's crying out for judgment. Because if you break the law, you're guilty of the whole law, right? So. You're under. If you let me say it this way, the voice of Abel is actually established in the old covenant because it's it's pronouncing judgment. But what happens is that when I move from the old covenant to the new covenant, the Bible is very clear here. Paul has this re- a revelation. Whoever wrote Hebrews, it says that there's there's a new covenant and it's it's not established by the. By the blood of Abel, not the voice of the blood of Abel, but it's established by the voice of the blood of Jesus. And this is not even like, like it's better. It's better. That's like saying like you know heaven is better than hell. It, it, it's it's better. It, it, and this is what's in, in, important here because we see this picture that God says the voice of Abel is crying out that there's this revelation. That that the writer of Hebrews gets, and he's writing this down, and he's saying, but there's the blood of Jesus, and it's speaking also. It has a voice also, and it's speaking better things, judgment, and you know, and condemnation. But in the blood of Jesus, there's mercy and forgiveness and grace. And so, what we must understand, I, I, a lot of people make this figurative. I I don't think it's figurative. I think that. If you let me use the term, the, the things of the spirit is like a pair it's a parallel dimension. And in that dimension, there are sounds and the noises. Look at if you look in, in Revelation, the prayers of the saints, and lightnings and thunders and earthquakes, that's all originating in the spiritual dimension. There is sounds, there is voice voices in that dimension. A lot of times, that I, been, how many of you have ever been in a place where all of a sudden, uh, and this is not something that happens a lot, I'm just saying it's happened, where all of a sudden you feel like you've heard that you're hearing angels sing. Or you, like for a moment you're hearing something that you know is not in this realm, it's not in this dimension. But you have to understand there is so much more activity that's going on in that dimension at all times and there is a voice going on in that dimension. And so what we have to understand is that we have the power to release the speaking power of the blood of Jesus Christ in this dimension by faith. Because it's speaking better things. And that's what we want, Right? And so, all the demonic activity, all the things that the enemy is doing in the world, we need to carry with us the revelation of the speaking power of the blood of Jesus Christ that is speaking better things over the lives of people because we are in that time, in that, if you, I'm not necessarily dispensationalist, but we're in that time of grace, in that dispensation of grace, where the, the blood of Jesus is made available to all who will hear it. But there is, There's going to be a transition coming. So the 10th thing is this, is that in all seasons and all of history, that the power of the blood being released through our lives causes us to be overcomers. But specifically, if you look in the book of Revelation, it's talking about the generation right before Jesus comes back. That he's specifically talking to them that there is going to be a release of the power of the blood of Christ over our lives that's going to, that all hell is going to be thrown at you and the kitchen sink and you're still going to overcome. You're still going to, you're still going to see the glory of God. You're going to persevere through all of that because the overcoming power of the blood of Christ has become a revelation that you walk in every single moment and every single day. And everything the devil the devil throws at you, it's not just like it's not just like magic words like the blood, the blood, blood. I want to speak the blood, but I want to walk in the revelation. I understand what you're trying to do, devil, but I also have a revelation of what the blood of Jesus Christ means to me, and it's already been established in the altar of heaven, and it is made available to me right now, right where I'm at, and it causes me to be an overcomer. Now, let me kind of. Go sidebar just real quick and then I'll come back and pastoral do communion. What we have to understand that we try to be so innocent and kind of head in the sand is that the enemy, the demonic, tries to counterfeit the revelation of blood. That's why through all of history you see the sacrifice of human beings to false demonic gods. That's why Baal was such a bad thing that is talked about in the Old Testament. They literally were sacrificing children to this God, Baal and Moloch. And so even the things that you see in, in the culture today, I know we're too sophisticated, not like back then, we only kill 64 million babies in the womb. All the people that have been slaughtered, that have been innocent throughout time and throughout the day that we live in. And we always like to look back, but we don't even realize what's going on in the present. Why do you think that the crazy things like vampires are so big? Why, you know, the, you know there is almost something attractive, you know, how come they, none of these vampires are ugly? They're all beautiful people, you know. They, this attraction. And, but the whole foundation of vampires is not about sensuality or any of those things. It's about blood. And I was thinking about that in Psalms 106 verse 34. It says, Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land as the Lord had commanded them. Instead, they mingled among the pag- pagans and adopted their evil customs. This is what God had. Against them, verse 36, they worshiped their idols, which led to their downfall. They even sacrificed, look what it says, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. By sacrificing them to the idols of Canaan, they polluted the land. Look what it says to the land. The, remember the voices crying out from the earth, from the land. They polluted the land with murder. They defiled themselves by the evil deeds and their love of idols was adultery in the Lord's sight. So we see that there becomes this even this voice of from the land that they were occupying because of the murder of innocent blood that was shed. It how do we become any better? How did we you know compartmentalize whatever word I'm looking for? That, that our lives that we don't realize. That the enemy has done it, he's doing the exact same thing. It's just in a new package, it's just in a new way. It's and, and the reality is that some of the things that you don't think are going on in the world are probably even to the extreme of children's blood being drank today, that everybody just writes it off as a conspiracy theory. It, I can show you the evidence, I can show you the court dates, I can show you the people that testified. These are things. That at least in some degree, are happening today. And as I was thinking about this, kind of, I, I, I know I'm sidebarring, you know, talking about innocent blood being shed upon the earth. It's, we're not talking about Jesus. We're kind of back to that. I mean, the blood of Christ. But look look what it says in Matthew 23, verse 35, where Jesus is getting, there, there's three messages at the end of Matthew. 23 is to the religious leaders, and then Uh, The second one is to the multitudes, and then the third one is to his disciples, 23, 24, and 25. In in 23, it says this. He says that upon you come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. Look what it says. From the blood of righteous Abel. Look where he starts it. From the blood of righteous Abel, because that was the first one. Until the blood of uh, uh, Zacharias, which is one of the, the, the prophets, so he's showing the picture of these you killed in the past that were innocent, whom you slew be- between the temple and the altar. Look in Revelation chapter six, verse ten. This is a picture. I know a lot of people go, "I don't even want to know this stuff." We, we we should probably get ready for some of this. Think we, sometimes things are uncomfortable to know, but we need to know them if it's in the Word. Verse ten, they shouted the Lord and said. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long, look what it says, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us. You're saying, who are these people? It's the blood crying out. Revelation 17, verse 6, let's see this counterfeit, this this understanding of the demonic knowing about blood. Revelation 17, verse 6, and I saw the woman, this is the harlot, He's uh, the, drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. This is a picture of what happens at the end. Revelation eighteen twenty four. and in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all those who were slain upon the earth. Revelation nineteen two. for true and righteous are his judgments for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornications and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Let me last one, then we'll we'll leave Debbie Downer. Revelation 19, verse 11, 12, and 13. I spent a long time on this yesterday. Whenever you see the picture of Jesus' robe dipped in blood, it's very clear to me that he goes out to judge and make war. There is so many people that are preaching today. I hear it all the time that this blood that's on his robe here is his blood. It's not. In context, I'm not saying this is wonderful. I'm not going, yay, yay, I, I'm not doing, I'm saying in context of these verses, this is the blood of people because of the judgment. Part of this is probably typology, but what it, what it's literally saying is that there comes a moment of time when that door is shut and the voice of all the unrighteous blood is rising up from the... I, I honestly believe with all my heart now, the reason that Jesus comes in Judges is because of this. Because of the voice of the blood. And that he comes and he brings judgment because he's worthy to do it. Well, I don't want to serve a God that's going to bring judgment. I, what's plan B? I, I don't know what you want me to say. I, I I can't change the gospel i can't change- well i don't think you know we want God to be like we, we we want him to be we fit into it's not it's not the way to because what because God had a plan from the very beginning from the beginning of the earth he had a plan, and that whole plan was to bring us into family. I literally believe that this the holy of holies in heaven is that that whole tabernacle in heaven is probably in the new jerusalem and that is going to come down and then after all this is over after the judgment and the lord has put the antichrist underfoot and everything we are going to come to a time in the new jerusalem in jerusalem and we're going to have communion with jesus we're going to have passover we're going to celebrate and when I, when I was thinking about this, I've always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I just believe with all my heart, there's going to be countless of thousands and millions of people that are a part of the redeemed. And when we're on that day, and that we are in the New Jerusalem, I'm going to have my cup. And when I take a drink, I'm going to have a, the complete sealing of the revelation of what that meant. What he did for me and you that made me be able to be a part of that family for eternity. Amen? Amen.
1: Let's go ahead and um, have the communion served. Just so I'll take the bread in hand. I just want to cry. I'm so thankful for the revelation of the blood. How many of you? Let's just praise the Lord for a minute. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself. Abel's life was taken from him, but you gave yours. You gave your life. Come on, let's pass out the, as we're in this place of just worship before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me get one. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Just tell the Lord, unfold the revelation of the blood to my heart. Help me see who I am to you. How powerful, 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 powerful. Powerful,
0: powerful.
1: It's the most beautiful and overwhelming understanding. He said, Take eat, this is my body. Took the bread. Jesus actually was in front of a whole bunch of people and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he wasn't talking physical. He was talking spiritual. I'm going to, uh, two, th- two things. With this, we're just going to declare The authority of Jesus in our physical bodies and over our spiritual lives. Okay? Let's hold it up. Let me let me pray a prayer and we'll apply it to ourselves, okay? Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, go ahead and repeat with me. Father God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I partake of the body of Jesus. I eat your flesh. and I choose the provision of the covenant that you have made for me. I receive divine health in my body. I receive. Wholeness in my emotions. I receive a renewed mind. I receive the fullness of your blessing. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's partake. Then he said, Drink my blood, the cup of the blessing, this cup of blessing. Um, sometimes you know you guys know me I'm sitting over here and I don't know everybody in the room and I don't know all of your backgrounds I don't know who's done what but I always want to be faithful you know the watch this when you disobey the voice of the Lord some can do it willingly some do it unknowingly the bible says the blessing is received when you listen listen when you when you diligently obey the voice of the lord and you want to keep his commands and you seek him out and you seek that out and this blessing pours on your life with cursing comes the curse comes the curse the word curse means to separate for punishment and misery to separate for punishment and misery. And uh, what happened when he was talking about the shedding of innocent blood and in children? This is what I believe the Lord wants to do. Because in Jesus Christ, Galatians 3 uh, I think it's 13 and 14 or 17, 18, I think. Anyway, it says that cursed is everyone, it, that Jesus came to break the curse. For us because cursed is everyone who He became a curse for us to redeem us from the curse of the law. All curses are based on violating God's word and therefore opening doors and the demon powers and all come in. And you end up with this miserable life. Now, your you have parents. Let's say everybody has two parents. You may know them or not, it doesn't matter. Well, they you don't maybe know everything that they did what they could have done to open a door to the adversary then those two parents have two parents and then those four parents have eight parents those eight parents have 16 parents you end up with 30 people here you go all the way back to your great great grandparents I don't know if everybody in here knows if anybody of any one of those was involved in an abortion. Shedding innocent blood. So we can go ahead and receive the most innocent blood and break the curse of the spirit of death because it is murder. How that could happen is this is how Breaking a, what, what the benefit of breaking a curse is. You have a frustration in your life and you don't seem to be able to get past it. You just wrestle with something. And somebody up the family line opened a door. Maybe they were involved in occult practices, witchcraft, shedding innocent blood. Things travel down. The Bible is all about generational blessing and it's all about generational curses very very clear we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks but this is what I feel like the Lord wanted me to just apply the blood to anybody in your family line where abortion was involved and to remove that influence of a spirit of death off of your life are you all game because you may not know who did what? Is right? In fact, the blood breaks every curse. Everyone. Because curses the everyone who hangs upon a tree. And Jesus, and this is the whole point of Jesus. Jesus says, I want to break every foul curse off your life. And I want to release the blessing of Abraham, which is receiving the Holy Spirit by faith. And now God begins to see blessing is this. God says something. He says, I'm going to make you the head, not the tail. I'm going to cause you to prosper. I'm going to cause you to be in good health. I'm going to cause you to win. I'm going to cause you to be fruitful beyond measure. And, and those things activate, activate, activate. That's blessing. And the blood releases that. Breaks the power of the shedding of innocent blood. Cancels the curse of that. And releases the blessing of Jesus. So, so here's what we do. Oh, let, me, let me lead you in a prayer say Father God in Jesus name I open to the river of forgiveness through the merciful blood of Jesus and I forgive everybody up my family line that was involved in any kind of abortion any shedding of innocent blood we repent for that sinful failure and any way that brought a generational curse of death To quench anything in my own life. You are forgiven. By the power of the blood. And as we partake the blood. We break the curse. In Jesus name. Let's receive it now. Lift your voice with me. Praise you Jesus. Praise you Jesus. Praise you Jesus. Let's go ahead and praise you Lord. Praise you Lord. Praise you Lord. Praise you you, Jesus. Praise you Lord. Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit fill this room, every single heart. We command every every work of darkness, every place where death has encro- encroached upon our life, in Jesus name we take authority over you now. Thank you Jesus, through the power of the blood of Jesus, through the power, just say that the blood, the power of the blood. We take authority over it in the power of the blood. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. And Lord, we're so grateful for your magnificent brilliance and understanding and complete obedience. And everything that you are is an example to us. We ask, Lord, for your divine strength to fill our bodies. We, ask for the, 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 we thank you for the cleansing of our conscience before you. We thank you, Lord, that we're justified by the blood of the Lamb. And that because you declare that we're righteous in your eyes... The wrath of God passes from us. We praise you, Lord, for your decree of blessing over us. We receive the blessing that you pour out on us now in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If there's other, uh, as we dismiss, I I want you to know, There's probably no greater joy than having the inner witness that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That you belong in the family because of the shed blood of Jesus. Let's go rejoicing in that. If you have other uh, need, we have people down front here that we always make, any time something comes up in your heart that you want to deal with, We always want to partner with the Holy Spirit to help us mature, grow, dislodge that stuff, move on into the fullness of what God's purpose is for our lives. Love on each other. You're dismissed. Amen.